Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to be talking about new renders of the upcoming high-end iMac, what to do with those AirTag following you notifications, and we're going to dive again into the iMessage and RCS controversy just one more time. This episode is brought to you by Headspace and ZocDoc. You'll hear about those in a moment. And joining me for the first time in 2022, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hello. As we record this, at this moment, live as we record, I am waiting to see if our Prime Minister will resign. And by the time it goes out, the answer will be no. But that's where we are this week. How's it over there? <laughs> now, wait, now, wait a minute. Is he being pressured to resign or is he like considering resigning? What is happening? How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This could be a bonus episode for the Apple Insider <laughs> Show. I mean, is this, uh, is it COVID things that he's resigning over or what's at going heart, on? Basically, there was a party. Well, everybody else was staying at home and couldn't see people, you know, their family members who were, you know, dying. Uh, Boris Johnson was leading a party uh, in Westminster for 100 of his colleagues or so. And he's oh, denying that it was a party. He was denying that he knew it was on. He's actually saying he'll wait to see the results of an investigation into whether he was there or not before it's it just... It's, he had another in a ceaseless tirade of this, but you catch me just at the moment when there is some extra heat on him than usual. Okay. Um, and it will dissipate like it seems to. Our next general election. You have elections every four years. Well, ours are much more yes. rocky. Uh, I think ours is still three years away, something like that. So, um, Well, here's my question. William, are you going to run? Are you going to run for prime minister? It is actually <laughs> possible I would do a better job because um, I, <laughs> yes, know, I yes. recognize a party when I go to one. So, you know, right. perception skills. <laughs> right. You have some accurate. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. listen, I, I don't think I can vote for you being an American citizen, but oh, uh, forget I don't know. It, I'll, I'll, I'll write in your name. No, no, no. Hey, William, I'll write in your name for president over here. How about that? We'll see. We'll see how <laughs> okay, that goes. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a bunch of stuff to cover. We want to jump into it. I do want to mention, if you missed it, the last episode in the feed, I got to interview Renee Ritchie been a long time a fan of his he's been covering apple for a while he has his own independent youtube channel where he covers all the things apple in depth and it was a really fun conversation i think we covered about 20 topics in 38 minutes <laughs> so i was just trying to get his opinion on everything that i could in a short amount of time so you should check out that interview and let me know who else you'd like to hear as a guest in an interview here on the apple insider podcast i like doing those you know additional interview shows so i thought it was uh, i thought it was pretty fun all right, well, let's jump into some topics for this week. First of all, I want to talk about the 27-inch iMac. We actually have some new renders from our render artist to Apple tomorrow of what the 27-inch iMac might look like. Again, it is suspected that we should see this updated iMac. Maybe it'll be called iMac Pro. We'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe March or April. Mark Gurman even said that there is a rumored Apple event happening March or April. Again, that's what happened last year. We had an April 20th event, but that this iMac would make an appearance there. I know I'm looking forward to this. This might be my next desktop computer, so I'm excited for that. But uh, William, I don't know. What do you think? There's some rumors that maybe this will be more on the pro end. Maybe it'll have a mini LED ProMotion display like the new MacBook Pros and really be specced out. And other rumors say it might be more on the consumer side. Maybe it'll be an M2 instead of the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips we have in the MacBook Pro. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm on the fence. So what do you think we're going to be seeing in this device? You don't think it's possible we'll see both? Oh. Two IMAX. Oh, oh. No, wait. Two IMAX, both alike in dignity, released at the same time. <laughs> now, you know, that's interesting because the 27-inch iMac in the past has been kind of like the... 15 and 16 inch MacBook Pro where you can get kind of that base model for the screen size and it'd be a little underpowered 
or you can really spec it out, you know, get the mm. upgraded graphics card and all that. Here's my take. I feel like we just got the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips announced a couple months ago, and we are got to see those come to new devices, I think, before we see the M2. The M2 is rumored to go to that new redesigned MacBook Air, which I think is probably a fall-type device. I think we're going to see this 27-inch iMac and possibly a Mac Mini to replace that Intel one that's still sticking around, and we'll see it with the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips. Maybe this 27-inch iMac will also have the dual or quad M1 Max chips to make it even more powerful than the MacBook Pros. So I, I think we're going to be seeing a power user level 27-inch iMac. I'm not sure about mini LED and ProMotion. I mean, that's a big display to put those features in. So I don't know. I'm not convinced of that, but that, that's what I think. You think we might see multiple models of this thing? You're right about the processors. Apple's got them. They've surely got to put them in a desktop. And what's left to, of the desktop range to be updated by WWDC, it's only the iMac 27-inch and the Mac Pro. Right. I've, I have this feeling that as powerful as they are, they're not powerful enough for the Mac Pro. Right. So it seems right. And I don't know that if you put an M1 Max in an iMac, is it still a consumer device or is it just necessarily immediately uh, a more pro level one? I mean, I know these lines are blurred and they're just labels. I'm right. a consumer who is sometimes very pro, uh, but there, there's also the price issue. I think you're not going to get a consumers right. will not pay as much as a quotes pro user. So maybe price will force it down that way. I don't know. That's true. I'm, I'm honestly curious about the port situation that's going to be on this new iMac. If it has a similar design to the 24-inch M1 iMac, you know, that thing is really, really shallow. So shallow that the headphone jack has to be on the side instead of the back. Yes. The Ethernet jack is on the power brick instead of the body. And because the new MacBook Pro brought back the SD card slot, brought back even an HDMI port, I'm inclined to believe that this larger iMac is going to have things like the SD card slot. So even if it resembles the design of the 24-inch, I think they might make it a little thicker because it will be a pro device. And I think they'll keep that SD card slot. At least I'm really hoping they keep that in there. If the Ethernet port moves to the power brick, I think that's a good move anyway. But I don't know. Do you, do you think they're going to add those kind of ports back or are they just going to stick to all those Thunderbolt ports? This is a personal thing. I've just, uh, I haven't used an SD card in so many years. I've forgotten they existed. So I, I understand now that there are people who depend on them. But I'd really thought that was gone. So I was surprised when we first heard they were coming back. Is that because I am a consumer and I don't need this stuff? If the iMac is for consumers, will we not see it? I mean, do you find SD cards that useful? Oh, William, I use them every day almost. I use an SD card in the audio recorder that I'm using right now as we record. That one's a backup. But then for the cameras, you know, I make some videos. We do HomeKit Insider via video. Yeah. So I'm importing from an SD card every week for that show. Videos that I do, you know, just personally, I use the SD card slot. So I still use it pretty often. Now, the thing is, I do have a Thunderbolt dock right here, the OWC that has an SD card slot and a mini SD card slot, because I do some drone stuff every once in a while. I'm building a new home, and so I do some drone shots of that, and I stick it in there as well. So I, I think, especially for Pro level, I mean, if Apple thought to put it back in the MacBook Pro, mm. I feel like they're going to put it in the in the Pro level iMac. So we'll have to see. I'm excited for this, and I'm, I'm not excited for the price. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really hoping it will be you know, reasonable, at least configuration wise, you know, make it go all the way up to like eight terabyte SSD. And 
128 gigs of RAM for those who want it. But, you know, I'm hoping to get a reasonable one. We'll see. Well, all we've worked out really for sure is that I'm a freak for never using SD cards. No, okay. no, no. Listen, you're a pro because you have a you have an 87 inch uh, monitor. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't have that. You know, that's that's impressive. Yeah, which of course I really like, and of course I would swap with a new iMac in a heartbeat. So you know, I'm very oh. conflicted. Would you swap it though if Apple released one of those cons- prosumer level monitors, maybe a 30 inch? monitor that comes in around two thousand dollars that's not a pro display xdr but is a apple quality monitor would you swap it for that i would strongly look at it the problem is i really mm-hmm. really like the width of this i'm finding it right now yeah. about five documents open across the screen and i find that very useful for certain jobs i do that's true. but the resolution is so much less than you get on yeah. uh current imac uh top end screens it would be Gorgeous to have one. Plus, I have a, a MacBook Pro now with an utterly gorgeous screen, and I'm very conscious when I turn from one to the other <laughs> of what the difference is. Yep. But the width, oh, never mind the quality, feel the width. It's, uh, <laughs> okay. it's an old British exper- <laughs> expression, which I'd, has just come is back it? to mind. Yes. Okay, they, they should use that on the uh, webpage for this monitor. <laughs> yes. Feel the width, quote yes. William Gallagher. I like it. <laughs> Well, I wanted to mention that we're getting weirdly specific leaks about Apple's upcoming VR headset. This is analyst Guoming Chi. He is saying that Apple's VR headset is going to use the same 96-watt power adapter that the MacBook Pros use. That just seems like a very specific thing to leak about this headset. But that's what he's claiming. Mark Gurman is saying that Apple VR headset, we might see it this year. Rene Ritchie in our interview, he said we could see it this year at the latest, maybe early next year, so a year from now. So again, I'm very curious about what Apple positions the VR headset for. Again, Rene Ritchie had a great point where Apple as a company, unlike Meta, doesn't really see humans living in VR all the time. You know, Facebook, now Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, he kind of positions the metaverse as an all-encompassing, you're going to live here for work and play and for everything else. And I don't think that Apple would really describe VR in that way or really want people spending all day, every day in VR, which again, then what would we be doing in there? You have entertainment, you have games, Apple Arcade, you have media, and you have Fitness Plus. Now, is that enough, William? for you to want to do fitness plus workouts in VR. I'm getting, I still get notifications that you do workouts here and there. So do you want to do those in VR? Yeah, but that's all uh, fakery. I've got a shortcut that just sends out the messages every now and again. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you just hit a little button on your watch and it says, William completed a three hour workout. So, yeah. And you know, that's a whole button I press. That's yeah, yeah. finger exercises there. Right. Um, at the moment, there's nothing in AR and VR that I find uh, compelling enough to spend any money on. I talked with the producer of uh, like a drama for it and wearing his headset, doing it, I did. I got deeply involved and I enjoyed that. But that was what, two years ago and I haven't gone back for part two. So nothing <laughs> holds me and brings me back. And I think that's where Apple is going to score. I'm sure the technology will be great. I'm sure the design will look brilliant. I'm sure it'll be very expensive. But they will have found <laughs> at some point a reason for us to use it. And that's where I think they will succeed. Yeah. And again, that that thing is what I'm most curious about. You know, I couldn't really get from Renee and I really I'm not sure what that 
X factor is? What will be that, no. you know, that integration with Apple services? I mean, yeah, you could do FaceTime and mm. you can do Apple TV, but you know, I see people tweeting like, oh man, watch this movie with other people in VR. Yeah. I'm like, I guess I would rather use SharePlay, which I guess Apple could incorporate in a VR headset, but I would rather use SharePlay on my TV in my living room so I don't have to have a big headset on but yeah but i'm not even with you on that because i don't like share play i mean if you, have you tried it have you tried it? yes and i'm just thinking um if you are more interested in the picture of your your cousin eating popcorn and picking their nose in the corner than you are in the film you're watching please watch a better film please <laughs> there's so much out there I, and that is curious you know I, i'm wondering what that experience is like i mean if you watch a movie in the metaverse with a friend do you turn to their avatar and make a comment like you would in a live theater and is that somehow better than like texting them or i don't know facetiming them while you do it in share i don't know it, it's and do they turn back to you and slap you and tell you could you please shut up we're trying to watch yes <laughs> do other people in the virtual meta theater to turn around and throw popcorn at you this this seems like there's just gonna be more issues than not uh, william I, I don't know I, I mean i'm i'm sounding anti-socially but i was once in the cinema watching a french film uh dubbed into english and a german couple of teenagers ahead of us talked all the way through it and there was a bit of me that thought actually this is quite an experience yeah, <laughs> right yeah not the one i wanted yeah exactly yes. you know i'm always curious did, did you ever have a wii did you ever play the wii william yes actually i did i enjoyed that uh for a while yeah yeah i remember the wii i enjoyed it too wii tennis i i dominated wii tennis I, not to brag but i was pretty good but i remember on the wii that I don't know if it was every hour or every two hours, they would like put something on the TV that says, hey, you've been playing a while. Do you want to take a break? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was a little pedantic, but it's also kind of like Apple stand reminders or breathe yeah. reminders or washing hand reminders. You know, there's lots of these kind of very detailed, <laughs> like, hey, don't forget to do this. I wonder if in Apple's VR headset, there'll be screens that pop up periodically like, hey, you haven't lived in the real world in a while. Do you want to take this headset off and maybe look at another human in the face? I'm, I'm just curious. Curious if that's a thing. My mother feels guilty whenever screen time comes up and says, you've only used your iPad a, an hour in the last week. She thinks it's telling her that she should be using it more. <laughs> oh, see, that's the opposite problem because yes. the one notification I get is it'll give me a percentage of how much more or how much less I used my devices the week, than the week prior. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if it's a busy work week, it'll say, you used your iPhone 45% more this week than you did last week. I say, oh my goodness. I mean, it feels like a lot, but what am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that data? I mean, I kind of work yeah. with these devices. Uh, do yeah. you get those? Do you have those turned on? Uh, I have them occasionally when I can't remember to switch them off and I ignore all of them because I use it because I need to, uh, and and I did it. That's done. Leave me alone. Get off my back. <laughs> right, right. I can't go back in time and, and use it less. So, yes. oh, well. New week. Start fresh. <laughs> anyway, something did kind of actually come out this past week. There was a software update for iPhone and iPad 15.2.1. wasn't a big update. When I actually first went into the software update settings to update it, it was very mysterious. Mm. There were no release notes visible. It didn't say what this update did. You know, it was very, very mysterious. I thought universal control is this some VR secrecy, but no, it was nothing really like that. <laughs> it basically fixed an iCloud photo sharing bug, fixed a HomeKit vulnerability, and fixed some CarPlay stuff. So not anything super exciting, but as with all updates, I always recommend people do those quickly. So 
Did you, did you see anything else different that I missed there? No, I thought for one second, is this uh, a new Invisible Ink font that they'd got when I looked at the... Because right. it, it wasn't that there wasn't a detail. It was just this big blank space. Like there could have been something there uh, when I looked anyway. Right. So um, I left yeah. to the most dramatic conclusion and you're just looking at me now. I'll, just, I'll, I'll be quiet. No, no, no. I, you know, you swipe your finger around to uh, make the text reveal. Like in those iMessage things, yeah. Which oh man, we're gonna so we're gonna talk about iMessage in a minute, man. I can't wait. It's, that's gonna. I'm a little fired up about that. One. Yes, I can tell. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a second. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Headspace. If you're like me, sometimes it can feel like your mind just doesn't have an off switch. Whether it's a constantly building to do lists and stress or tension that you can really feel affect your body. Maybe you have difficult sleeping. Well, that's where Headspace can help. You know, we all say we're doing fine, F-I-N-E, but fine isn't really an emotion, is it? And if someone says fine, come on, we know they're actually not doing fine. How many times have you told yourself you're fine when all you've really felt is anger, sadness, or nervousness? Well, Headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health. In fact, a recent study proved in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. Whether you want to relieve stress and anxiety, sleep better, or improve your focus, Headspace is your everyday dose of mindfulness for real life. I've been using Headspace for several years. They have incredible courses. I've used their course on anxiety, and it's really helped me be able to calm down a little bit, take the edge off. I've done courses with my kids, which they have great courses on attention and focus you can do with your kids. I've done that. They even have a fear of flying course. I also really like their soundscapes that they have curated by musicians, artists, and composers. I like their Hans Zimmer soundscape just for working or just being able to sit in peace. However you're feeling, try Headspace today at headspace.com slash Apple Insider and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available right now. So go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider today. That's headspace.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. I want to know, William, have you been playing Wordle? Well, no, because I wanted to play a knockoff app and give uh, uh, rip-off merchants money, and now I've been denied that junt, and I'm making a stance. Uh, No, uh, I haven't. A friend did get very uh, aerated about it yesterday, which said she finally realized it was American. So there was a spelling of a particular word. She would have got it if it had been in British English. I don't know. I see. Well, if our listeners don't know, Wordle has been kind of a phenomenon, a lot of people tweeting it, and it's basically an online word game that's completely free. And you can go to it. I'll put the link to the actual game in the show notes. I've been playing it. It's pretty fun. You get one word a day that you need to try and guess. And you get six tries to guess it. The words are five letters each. It tells you when you have a correct letter. And if you have the correct letter in the correct place, it'll highlight a green. So it's been a very fun game. William, I think I think you should try it. I think you would enjoy it as, as a wordsmith yourself. I must. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you should try it. Josh Wardle is the creator, which excellent uh, naming his, uh, his game yes. Wordle. Wordle, very good. Again, it's a, it's a very fun game, and there's only one word a day. And so it's very antithetical to a lot of games today where you can't spend all day doing it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you either guess the word or you don't, and then you're done. New words don't appear until the next day. I, I have found it uh, very enjoyable texting friends, you know, putting on Twitter how many guesses he used to get it. But the controversy here, which is the, the subtitle or the subtext of today's episode, controversy mm. with an exclamation point, the controversy was this free web app 
It is not an actual app you can download. The actual Wordle game is just a website you go to. There were a bunch of copycats that entered the iOS App Store and even the Google Play Store, apps that basically mimic this exact feature, totally ripping it off, but then also charging for the game. And the actual game, Wordle, is totally free on the web. And so there was kind of an outcry, especially from Wordle fans saying like, Listen, all these nefarious developers, I would say, trying to game the system, making people pay for this, when the actual game, which is better and free, is on the web. And so it was a few days of controversy, but then Apple did remove a majority of these copycat apps, which, to their credit, you know, I'm not exactly sure where in the App Store rules it talks about, I guess, intellectual property and, like, if it's just a website thing. But Apple removed many of those copycat apps, and Google also seemingly removed many from the Google Play Store. So welcome action there, but you should you should definitely play it. There is actually a thing where it strictly speaking isn't illegal. It doesn't uh, copying, you can't copyright an idea, mm. at least not in the UK, I presume you can't worldwide. So there's, there's no law that anybody is breaking by copying this, unfortunately, but it is actually explicitly stated in the guidelines that you cannot uh, make minor changes to another app's UI and pass it off as your own which is exactly what all of these did, including a guy, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Zach Zuckhead. Um, he, he was actually, he might have been the reason these things were purged because he was boasting about how well his knockoff was doing, which you can say is um, foolish, but also uh, yes. Yes, slightly even more irritating because he's on record as having been very anti-copycat uh, apps in the past. So, wow. you know, yeah. Mm, mm. That's just that's just dirty. And that guy, like you were saying, Zach Shaked, was charging thirty dollars per month yeah. for his ripoff game. That's just yeah, that's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, good good on Apple and Google for removing those. It's a shame that you know they have to do it. But yeah, and then you know, there's also I don't know, there's some developers that kind of post scam apps every week to kind of show the broken down nature of app store review and things that you know apple misses most of the time mm. i feel like this was kind of taken care of because there were so many people talking about it especially on twitter but that's wordle you should play it william that's my final thought oh i will definitely now let's talk about AirTag. so in the past few weeks major news publications have been talking about air tags and how people are using them to track people and stalk people nefariously and even using them in stealing cars. The New York Times literally had an article with the headline, Are Apple AirTags Being Used to Track People and Steal Cars? And NBC News had an article saying, A tracking device made by Apple is showing up in suspected crimes. So, I mean, these are pretty strong headlines kind of condemning Apple's tracking device. And a couple things here. Number one, Apple is not the first company to make a tracking device. Tile has existed for years and years prior to AirTag coming out and could have been used for similar activities. It wouldn't have been as effective because the network for Tile was much smaller, but you could even buy GPS devices and not even depend on a tracking network like Find My. You can get GPS devices like for pet collars and such. And if someone really wanted to be nefarious, they could have put a GPS tracker in someone's car or someone's bag, and that person would have no recourse of knowing whether or not that device was following them around. I think Apple has built actually a very robust anti-stalking feature set into AirTag, and you actually had an article talking about what to do yeah. if you see notifications like an item detected near you. If you get that notification on your iPhone, what you should do, what actions should you take? And again, 
to Apple's credit, there are actually multiple actions you can take when you see that notification. You want to walk us through a couple of those? When you said when you see that notification, if you don't see the notification for any reason, after a bit, you'll hear the AirTag itself will start making noises. And for such a tiny device, it's amazing how piercing that noises so they they do cover you in both ways not expecting you to be looking at your phone all the time in case you're being tracked so it's like redundancy everywhere and then yes when you found one um straight away on your screen it gives you options uh to do with things like just checking the details of it uh you can check if it's if you know if you borrowed a bag which is actually the most common thing it's not fortunately the most common thing is not people tracking you you borrowed somebody's bag they left their air tag in it you know it they know it you can actually disable it for the day you're fine with it and you won't be bothered by it anymore but if it is worse than that there is a way to just hold your phone next to the air tag get the serial number and then apple advises you to call the police and apple says it will work with the police to say whose air tag that is no 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 question no court just hit police ask apple tells them wow somebody is caught for it so I, I think we hold apple to a higher standard but we probably should because it's so big tile has got away for years with that i don't know what anything that tile does apple comes under much more scrutiny but i think apple has yes yeah, stood up to this what surprises me is that this has come up now when the very first thing i thought of when i even heard about air tags is would this be used for it so the first thing i looked into was how would they do how would they handle it and right. i think right from the start they've increased things but they've handled it very very well such as for example the other thing about the sound i just said uh, if an air tag is away from its registered owner for a certain amount of time it will start making this noise we don't know what that certain amount of time is because apple will not say and apple can change it Mm. at any time so this it's not possible for somebody to calculate i can tag somebody uh, for this many hours and then swap to a different air tag it's really thought through to that level so i have air tags i'm very happy with them i'm glad people are thinking about it i don't know why they're thinking about it now and i hope it doesn't put anybody off buying air tags yeah and i will say from from personal experience i actually get a lot of notifications sometimes it feels like too much but again with these kinds of concerns i would prefer too many than not enough Mm. but if i'm ever driving my wife's car for any reason she has the larger car and if i'm driving the kids around i'll grab her keys her keys has her air tag on them and Really early in the trip, I will start getting notifications that says Whitney's AirTag has been following you because I'm using her keys with her AirTag and I'll start getting those notifications. Again, another example, one of our kids was visiting a friend. They had, my child had their backpack with them, which has an AirTag on it. And this friend texted my wife and I saying, hey, I just got this notification that there's an AirTag following me. Do you have any idea what that is? (laughs) And it was because my child's AirTag, which is not a part of their iCloud family, was there with them. And she got notified relatively quickly, I would say in an hour or two. And she was able to investigate. You know, she didn't know about the options that, you actually have for having the AirTag make a sound or trying to find information of the physical AirTag, Mm. but she still knew to do something and at least text us to figure out what was going on. And it took me a second. I was like, well, wait a minute. If an AirTag's following her, that's a problem. And then I was reminded, oh, right. It's my child's backpack. (laughs) It's that that's been at her house. And so I I think that Apple's features for this are, are very robust. While someone can use these for nefarious purposes, they can use lots of things for nefarious purposes. Even up to this day, if they threw an iPhone 
in or hid an iPhone in a bag, they could have tracked their own iPhone using Find My and have been even more precise of location there and you wouldn't have had these kinds of features. So I, I think these are just kind of sensationalist headlines mm. that we're seeing from even these major news outlets. So speaking of headlines, I've got to say this. Uh, have you heard of Betridge's Law of Journalism? I've heard the name, but remind me what it is. It is a worldwide term, but there are different names. It's when you said that, the New York Times headline, are Apple AirTags being used to track people and steal cars? The Betridge's Law is, if a headline is a question, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> as someone in the article goes, is Elvis still alive in Chicago? No. And things like Yo. that. But in this oh. one case, the answer is actually this time, yes. <laughs> oh, is Apple doomed? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Wait, now how do you spell Betridge? Because I'm, I'm going to look this up now. Uh, B-E-T-T-R-I-D-G-E. Oh. There are actually a couple of versions of this, and there's some dispute over who said it first, but... Uh, Whoever Betridge's was, he was uh, he's credited with it usually. Oh, I love this, and I will be thinking of it every time I read a headline. You do. Oh my goodness, <laughs> is Apple's VR headset doomed to fail? Exactly. No. <laughs> I love this. Okay, that was that was worth it. Just do that. Well, I'll also link to William's article because there are instructions on what to do and how you can find maybe an AirTag that's been following you. So look there if you are interested in those features. I wanted to mention this new app that I just saw yesterday. It's called the Locket app or the Locket widget. I'll put a link in show notes. It is free to download and then there's a paid uh, addition to unlock some features. But I think this is a genius idea. This app lets you connect with up to five family members or friends through this app and you can place a widget on your home screen that your friends can actually send a picture through this app and it will automatically appear in the widget on your home screen. And then you can do the same. Send a picture and it will immediately show up on the home screen of your family member or friend. Now, obviously, you must trust the people that you are going to allow to have photos just appear on your home screen at any point in the day. But for partners, spouses, really close friends, I think this is a really cool idea. Maybe you put it on a second home screen, not just like that first one in case you unlock your phone and someone played a joke on you. But I think this is a genius idea. It's actually number one in the social networking app download category right now. Uh, The developer is Matthew Moss. I think this was just a brilliant idea. Very cool. Any chance you can add me to yours? Because I'm I'm preparing an image now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you are. Yeah. This phone is stolen. Is what mine will say. It will just appear. <laughs> Danger. This person has bad breath. No, I, I, I would trust my wife, and probably that's it. You know, I have some close friends, but I, you know, I feel like even the closest friends would get a get an idea every once in a while to do something yeah. notorious. You know, I, I think it's really cool though, and it's one of those things that you can change your home screen without you even knowing. You know, I actually had a YouTube video on Apple Insider a while ago where you can create shortcuts that change your wallpaper every morning, automatically pulling a high resolution image from Unsplash in a category that you choose. And it's those kind of features are kind of nice because you can unlock your phone and be greeted with something different that you didn't even know what it was going to be. And it's like a little surprise. Mm. And so I'll put a link to that video in the show notes as well. But I think things like that, especially for a system like iPhone, which is typically pretty locked down, pretty sandboxed, nice to know that these kind of features are still possible. So I just thought it was a cool idea. 
Uh, and no, no, I, I won't send you a friend request, William. It's okay. Thanks. Fine. Getting your workout uh, completion notifications is enough enough to make me think, oh, William actually, he did something today. And I should probably do something so <laughs> well, he gets a notification You sound so surprised. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> huh. Oh, William, bothered to do something today. Okay. <laughs> no, you Fine. know, you know what I mean. You no, know I mean. no, it's too late now. Okay. Uh, sorry, very sorry. <laughs> and so I did want to mention, we had talked about, I think it was a couple months ago, the different laws that are being passed in countries to force Apple to add alternate payment methods in the App Store and within apps. And it looks like one of the first to do this is South Korea. The South Korea Herald reported that Apple plans to provide alternate payment methods in the App Store that will be different than the normal 30-70 split or 15-85 split for smaller developers. But I thought it was interesting. John Gruber had an article talking about these changes. And what will probably happen is what Google did. Google created APIs that allowed developers to hook in and allow alternate payment methods, but those APIs still tracked transactions in the Play Store. Mm. And instead of the 15 or 30%, the transaction fee was 11%, and that still went to Google. Basically, allowing third-party payment methods, but Apple still retains some cut of each transaction. Now, we don't know if that's how Apple will actually put this into practice in the app store. But I thought that was interesting that it's not just alternate payment methods and Apple gets nothing. There actually is systems that you can build with APIs where Apple will still get a cut. So remains to be seen. We'll have to see how Apple institutes this in South Korea. That looks like it'll happen first. There is no possible way that Apple won't know a transaction has taken place through its platform. <laughs> and so there's no way they won't right. charge for it. Uh, so really, I think what's happened is they end up sending a bill to the developer who now has to pay for their own back-end processing uh, that Apple used to do for them. And uh, either they pay Apple or they get taken off the App Store for it. So really, I think developers, I think for the big developers who can afford it and already have uh, back-end services for other channels, this is a good thing. But for everybody else, they're just going to carry on using Apple as it's the cheapest. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Has this ever happened to you where you need to make a doctor's appointment, so you call, you wait on hold, you try to find an opening, but when you get there, you find out that doctor doesn't take your health insurance. It's such a frustration, you gotta make another appointment or pay out the nose. Well, there's a better option for finding a doctor that you can be sure takes your insurance, and that's ZocDoc. You can download the free ZocDoc app, it's totally free, and it's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book appointments. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance. You put your insurance company and even your insurance plan, and you can see what doctors support it. You can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or via video right there in the ZocDoc app. You never have to call or wait on hold again. It can be a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, eye doctor, or other specialists. ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I use the app whenever I need to make an appointment, and I can see doctors in my area that I can be sure take my insurance. And you see little pictures. You can learn about them. It's really an incredible resource. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, and now is the time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right, well, William, I want to talk about iMessage and RCS 
and this whole debacle. It's been going on over the past week because there was an article in the New York Times. I touched on this with Renee Ritchie. They were saying how youth and teenagers are experiencing peer pressure and ridicule when their texts are green bubbles. And then Google Senior Vice President Hiroshi Lockheimer tweeted, kind of piling on to this idea that Apple just needs to change its policy and it will fix everything. You know, that's kind of the underlying assumption that if Apple just adopts RCS, then it will fix everything. Max Weinbach then had a TikTok that went viral over a million views. Again, saying the same thing that all Apple has to do is adopt RCS, support it natively, and we don't have to worry about this issue anymore. And so a couple things that I really want to bring out, Renee Ritchie touched on these as well, but I, I just want to be crystal clear. Number one, this is an issue that really only affects the United States. Yeah. When you go internationally and globally, iMessage has a very, very tiny percentage of the market on messaging. If you look at China, WeChat is far and above the predominant messaging platform, like way majority. They use WeChat for everything. If you look at Brazil and other countries, WhatsApp is the predominant messaging platform. Line is another option. And so as soon as you leave the U.S., this no longer becomes a problem. And a lot of times we forget, you know, we're a lot of times U.S. focused here that Apple is a global international company. And if this problem is not really outside the United States, it's going to lower the priority about RCS. But that's not even the main issue. So we need to keep that in mind. This is a U.S. only issue, really. Secondly, what are the options that Apple has to not make iMessage locked in? There's been thoughts of maybe Apple could release an iMessage app for Android. Number one, there have been communications that Apple sees this as a lock-in strategy. There were emails that came out during the Epic Games court case from Craig Federighi, Phil Schiller, talking about iMessage. So Apple does see this as a main feature of the platform, which I don't think somehow means they need to change it. (laughs) Like the whole point of having great features on your platform is making it so people want to use it. But that's beside the point. Making an iMessage app for Android, I do not believe would be a good solution because it means that Android users would have to download a second message app or third, fourth, fifth messaging app that they're probably using already just to use iMessage. And it would not integrate with the standard text message app on the phone. Apple, I guess, could make it support SMS. It's not guaranteed. And we know people really don't like especially just normal users, not techie users, don't like using a bunch of different messaging apps. Mm. And I think the power of iMessage was that it was built into the main texting app that came on the phone, which again, if you try to make a default text messaging app on Android, not only do you have to deal with carriers, but you also have to deal with phone manufacturers like Samsung, Huawei, OnePlus, and all that. So I don't think that is a viable option. The other option, and this is what everybody's calling for, including Google's SVP, Hiroshi Lockheimer, is that Apple should adopt RCS as a standard right now in the messaging app. And I I, I don't know if I was super clear in the interview with Renee Ritchie, but if Apple were to say, we're pushing an update, iOS 15.3 is going to have RCS, rich communication services, they call it advanced messaging for the carriers here in the US. If Apple were to say the messages app is going to support it tomorrow in the software update we're pushing, it would still not work across carriers here in the US. It would not solve the issue. If you had a Verizon iPhone and you tried to send those RCS messages to an AT&T Android user, it wouldn't work. 
because the carriers, namely Verizon and AT&T, the two biggest here in the U.S., do not support cross-carrier RCS messaging or advanced messaging features as they call it. I went to Verizon's website, went to AT&T's website, and they both explicitly say it only works within the network. Mm. And so my biggest argument in this whole conversation is that Apple is not the biggest obstacle, nor is it the only obstacle for rich text communications, rich communication services, RCS, working across Apple and Android devices, nor carrier devices. The carriers have a huge part to play in the whole interoperability. And so number one, it's really a US only problem. It's not international. And two, even if Apple did what people are calling for adopting RCS tomorrow, it still would not solve the interoperability challenge. Whew, all right, I got that off my chest, William. Tell me what are your thoughts on this? I think you need to sit down for a bit and you know what I'm gonna I'll reset down. Hold on, I'm gonna reset. I actually wrote one of Apple Insider's stories about this and the whole the green versus the blue blobs. I had to pick up my phone to check which was green and which was blue because it's that unimportant to me <laughs> here in the uk just like you said uh whatsapp actually is the big one i think whatsapp is right. incredibly ugly and utterly horrible yes. to use so i prefer messages uh but if somebody texts me in there i've got it wrong again whichever color isn't an iMessage, what do i care green for it yeah you know, thank you if they are sure no wait are we blue in there anyway whichever way around it is i'll hold it in my head for a few right. seconds it is of no consequence whatsoever this thing i'm told rcs isn't even finished working and finalized everywhere even where it does work Correct. and i know google has uh, tried to do its own lock-in message apps for businesses and things like that yep. before i just think it is so much easier to ah, blame apple that that's what google and the rest are doing and i find that a bit tiresome really if apple did not allow other messaging apps in the app store yeah sure i understand the lock-in argument but that's not the case you can download signal and Telegram, and WhatsApp, and Line, and WeChat. You can download all of those on the iPhone right now. Mm. And so there is no lock-in to one messaging platform on the iPhone. You can use any of those that you want, which is why this is not an international issue. It is just U.S. because most U.S. users just use the default text app that's on their phone. I'm okay with it actually being U.S. only because U.S. Is, is a huge market and it's Apple's home market. So I wouldn't dismiss sure. that. I, I don't have the concern. I can understand why other people do. But I, I lose uh, sympathy when post solutions are. At some point, Google apparently offered to help Apple implement this. Like Apple's engineers couldn't do it if they wanted to. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, <laughs> enough now. Okay. Well, and the, and the reason why I keep saying it's U.S. only is because the second big roadblock are the U.S. cell phone carriers. Oh, true. Verizon true. and AT&T are the ones blocking interoperability. T-Mobile does say that they support cross-network interoperability with RCS, but to what network is then my question, <laughs> because the other two <laughs> don't support it. And so there really is no in, in cross-network interoperability because none of the other guys are playing a ball. And to your point, Google, I think is hilarious for Google to be the one carrying the torch about this adopt a good messaging platform. There is an incredible website I will put in the show notes. It's called Killed by Google. Yes. It's killedbygoogle.com. And it is a, a beautiful resource. I highly recommend you visit it because it lists, let me get the exact number here because I don't want to uh, underestimate. It has 245 apps and services that Google has killed yeah. in their history. And among them are messaging platforms that they have both built and killed in just a few years of each other. Wow. One, I would argue, 
Google Hangouts, which existed from 2011 to 2019, pretty recently, was actually a great application. I used Google Hangouts when I would travel internationally because it had good text messaging features. Plus, you could audio call and video chat all in Google Hangouts. And lots of people had a Google account. I thought Hangouts was great. The other cross-platform messaging application they tried to create is Allo, A-L-L-O. And that only existed from 2016 to 2019, three years. I used Allo as well. I had Android friends that I actually worked with on a team and we started using Allo and it was okay. Like you could use it in the web. So you could use it on a desktop or laptop. It worked in the Allo app on my iPhone. But my point is every time Google actually had a viable option to create this cross-platform rich communication services, they just killed it. They just didn't care enough to actually try to push it to become the thing that Google used in its platforms. And so I just think it's hilarious that they're the ones crying about this. I'm looking at that list and Google Daydream. Yeah. Yep, okay. Google yep. Reader. Oh, okay. Now Google Reader. That was upsetting. Google Reader. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. going to close that list now. Okay. I'm not looking anymore. <laughs> right. They killed some good stuff. Um, yeah. You know, not going to lie. Message Center was another one, 2013 to 2019. I think it's hilarious that he basically has like a little tombstone next to each service. Yes. And then it tells you the years <laughs> that they <laughs> existed. And listen, some of these were good. Like some of these were actually good services. I remember... Google Trips, which was to compete with things like Tripcase and TripIt. You know, it was a good, I actually probably used it a couple of times. So I'd, anyway, I just think it's hilarious. What was the one where, was it Google Wave, where everybody, you yes. could actually see them typing as they type. And I found yep. out then that there's a writer I worked with who is stunningly slow. At t- I mean, stunningly slow. <laughs> uh, a tea break between every letter, slow. Kind oh. of thing. It was so frustrating. <laughs> That's hilarious. So all that to say, I do think once RCS actually is good, And once carriers actually support it, I think it would be a good thing for Apple to use RCS as the fallback instead of SMS and MMS. I mean, they'll still probably have to support SMS messaging forever, maybe, I don't know. But I think it would be good for Apple to support that standard. But that's the key. If it is actually a standard, you can't call RCS a messaging standard today because you cannot use it across carriers and across platforms right now. Again, not just because of Apple, but because of the carriers. And so it is not a standard as it exists today. And so that that is my my final word on it. I think I got it all off my chest now. And so I'll leave it alone until it just keeps coming up in the news like it has been. So that is all. That was my magnum opus, William. Uh, just the, the iMessage and RCS controversy. Yeah, I sorry. I agree with you and I understand. I just, I, I laughed at the thought of you saying that's all you were going to say. Like, yeah, I, no, no. For this today, is coming back. For this week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for this week. I also, I thought it was interesting on the heels of this RCS and messaging and all that, there was the story that T-Mobile was blocking iCloud relay features from iPhones on their network. Again, the most open network that supported cross-network RCS. And they were saying something about the update in iOS 15.2, and they went back and forth, them and Apple. Apparently, there were just some T-Mobile services that required to see network traffic. Like, I think they had like a network traffic tracking Uh, application on their network. So you can see how much data you're using on your T-Mobile account. Well, yeah, they have to see the data in order to know and how to measure it. And so you couldn't use it with iCloud Relay enabled. And so I think it was pretty 
like a, a benign conflict there between iCloud Relay and the tracking service from the carrier. But I just thought it was interesting that it was actually, again, a carrier might be blocking one of Apple's services because they want to be able to track and see the data. Yeah. So there you go. And there's a carrier. What's the first thing they say? It's Apple. It's not us. It's Apple. And then you just, you right. know, you can sense the phone call from the legal department. It. Okay, it wasn't Apple. It wasn't Apple. We didn't mean it. Right. So, okay. Exactly. Yes, and that's exactly what T-Mobile did, kind of backtracking on it. So, like, I mean, this is hardly related, but you know about uh, Peru Interbank. They announced the support for Apple Pay, and I was I was actually reading their announcement when they took the announcement away again, and they cancelled their YouTube <laughs> videos and stuff. And you just think, oh. There's a lot going on behind here. So yep. I should check whether it's back or not. But right. It yep. was funny. Just as I read it, the words vanished. It was that, ah, that is funny. Mm. You know, and that's the thing, too. I forget who I was talking to, but like the way journalism is today, any article online, you can update and then you just put in italics on the bottom, updated January 13th, you know, here's the change. Yeah. And it's one of those things where there's, I think there's less pressure to be super accurate and I think that's why you see some of these sensationalist headlines too, like even talking about the air tag and stalking and all that. I think it's just <clears throat> playing into this, you know, <clears throat> hype culture. Excuse yes, why less pressure to be accurate. Right. No, not on Apple Insider. Uh, I'm talking you. about everyone Okay. Else. Oh, right. no, 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 no. no. Okay, I was no, twitching no. Listen, there, I could speak from experience. There is great expectation for accuracy on AppleInsider.com. Right. And that is what we aim to do. Okay. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah, it's different when news changes and you update it. Sure. But to, you know, to make claims or just write unfounded things, unconfirmed things, you know. So anyway, that, that is my point. No. AppleInsider.com, you can trust. And we need a tagline there, appleinsider.com, the, the news you can trust. I'll let you workshop that, William. You, you have the taglines today. Okay, that one and the field equipped one. Okay, I've got those. <laughs> They're on my list. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. All right, well, I also wanted to mention, I thought this was interesting. The MacBook Pro is now 16 years old yeah. as of this month, which means it moved from the PowerBook and iBook naming convention to MacBook and MacBook Pro crazy that it was 16 years ago yeah. my first mac was actually the powerbook g4 and so i remember this transition to macbook i believe it coincided with the intel yes transition is that right that's right and actually uh first intel imac came out in the same breadth from steve Jobs' presentation but i remember watching it and to this day i i still feel the how sad it was that the powerbook name was gone because powerbook was such a good name and macbook at the time felt a bit rubbish and of course you know now i've lusted after a macbook pro for long enough i've changed my mind but <laughs> it was right, sad right. to see it go do you think we may ever see a name change from macbook pro and macbook actually probably not because right at the start of the mac itself there were all this talk steve jobs was pressing uh, mac in a book in five years i think i'm not sure about the number of years but mac in a book he was definitely pressing as an ambition and you know then he, he went away and then he came back and eventually we got macbook and i feel like it's that this is what they wanted from the start they've got it and these days i think it's much harder to change a name than it was even 16 years ago you've got an established brand i think it's very unlikely that they would just change it for something better but that's because i can't think of anything better i suppose yeah and i think you know iphone i think it's safe to say that will always be the name mm. of the iphone like i don't see that ever changing i think ipad similarly even airpods i think that will last for a long long time but you know macbook it has the name mac in it mm. which i think is probably desirable from a branding standpoint because 
you know, people know Max. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere for a while. I was kind of thrown back when I was talking to Renee Ritchie. He mentioned a Proforma Apple computer. Oh, Were you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Were you familiar with those? Well, I think I think they were more American than here, but I, I, my, the first Mac I bought with my own money was a, well, the original Macintosh LC, and I know people said there was a performer that was really the same machine with a different name and a different price that was sold in the States. So I had the impression it was a cheaper version of what I'd just spent all my money on. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know how accurate that is. Were you a big performer user? Listen, uh, I'll be honest. I hope no one revokes my, my Apple card. Not not my literal credit card, but you know Apple <laughs> pundit card. But I don't. I had maybe heard the name Performa once before before Renee said it. So you know, I knew the Lisa Apple II, all that kind of stuff. Performa was kind of new for me to to hear that. So uh, what about the, from around the same period? There was the Quadro and the Centris and things like that. I actually used some of those, and they were yeah, they were all right. Really, nothing, <laughs> nothing great. <laughs> High praise. Oh, High yes. praise. The Quadra, you know, I don't, that might be the first time uh, I'm hearing that that name wow. too. Oh God, you're so young. I feel so old. Well, listen, well, when I go on TikTok, I feel super old because you have these people saying, if you were born in the 1900s, <laughs> have you heard people say this? No. Referring to oh, people God, born? No, no. <laughs> people born in the 1900s. I'm like, well, you can't say that. You can refer to another century that was just 20 years ago, but they're just saying, if you were born in the 1900s, it's like the ultimate, you're old yeah. jab. Okay, so, I, I, don't know. I I've tried TikTok twice, and both times I went on, it chose to show me first of all a really quite uncomfortable video of a schoolgirl somewhere twerking or something. And I actually, both times, I kind of held the phone up and go, "Ooh," something like this. Is this what I'm here for? And so, I only wanted yeah. this strictly come dancing, you know, dancing with the stars content. Um, so I kind of left that right. there for a little bit. TikTok, TikTok is a hotbed for sure. You can actually like tap and hold on a video and you can say not interested in this kind of content. Oh, thanks. Great. I'll do yes, that. Yes, you, yeah. you, can, you can do that. And if you actually like find a, a video that you like, maybe from a creator, you know, you can swipe to their profile and watch some other videos from them. The algorithm is pretty quick to track what you actually want to watch, especially if you watch a video several times. And so my TikTok is like Marvel movie stuff and some technology here and there. And then, you know, just all the random stuff that I'll swipe by. So mm. if you if you spend like a day or two just periodically saying like, not interested in this, show me more of this, it, it'll track you pretty good. And that's that's why people like that algorithm because it, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Thank you. Well, the last thing I just want to mention is I wanted to be like one of the cool kids. You know, I, I was born in the 1900s, so I hadn't done this yet. <laughs> but I've actually set up a Signal account. You know, Signal is a secure private messaging. You can do it anonymously. So if there's anyone from Apple, maybe Google out there listening to the show and you're just dying to kind of share some inside information to the host of Apple Insider, we would love to hear it. And so I have a Signal account. The number is, I'll put it in the show notes and it's in my Twitter bio as well. But you know, you got all the cool kids doing this from all the other outlets. So I, I just want to be like one of them. I've never heard of this. I must've been born in the 1800s or something. <laughs> so you can let people anonymously send you messages and pretend they're from Apple. Okay. Well, I, I think that's floor. the challenge. <laughs> that's the challenge. You know, I think you got to say, you know, photos or it didn't happen kind of thing. You know, show, <laughs> yes. show me a blurry a photo of uh, Craig Federighi far in the background of the cafeteria. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know how they do it. So, you know, so you have to corroborate it some way or another. But anyway, 
I, I'm gonna open myself up to it, at least for a time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if anything of value comes of it. That'll be there. Well, anyway, there'll be links to everything we talked about and my signal number in the show notes. Again, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate the show. If you listen to the show in another app besides Apple Podcasts, you can still go to the Apple Podcasts app, rate us five star, give us a review. That helps out the show. And if you want to support us directly, $5 a month gets you an uninterrupted ad-free version of the show, early access, and our Discord channel. I plan to release some supporter-only content. We did something on the metaverse recently, and so if you'd like to hear some more of that, support the show. And as always, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.